Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome to a short Bible study on the Babylon Factor. Now, that's the title of the series, a five-hour audio series on CD that will help you understand the times in which we're living. When I talk about Babylon, that was the location where Noah and his three sons would live after the flood because Noah's great-grandson, Nimrod, built a great city in Babylon. Babylon has never been destroyed. Babylon is still alive and well on planet Earth today. In fact, Babylon is located in modern-day Iraq on the shores of the Euphrates River, some 68 miles southwest of Baghdad, Iraq. Studying about what is going to happen in Babylon is key for your understanding of how the prophetic scenario found in God's Word is going to unfold in what seems to be the day of the fulfillment of this prophecy. This five-hour study, The Babylon Factor, will help you understand why the United States military is in Iraq today, what God is doing using world leaders to accomplish His will. In just a moment, I'll tell you how you can get the entire series of The Babylon Factor. But right now, take a moment with me and let's listen to an introduction to this series, The Babylon Factor. So what does he do? Well, look at verse 5 of chapter 11. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do, because they have one language. By the way, what does the United Nations do? Bring us back to one language through translation, but they've got one language, and that's their ultimate goal. And so what is in verse 7? God says, go to, let us go down there and confound their language, and that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Well, God was able to accomplish his goal. He decentralized these people. No more one language, no more one government, no more one religion, but now it's diversified, it's decentralized, and it's all set up by God going and changing what he put in place. Verse 9, therefore is the name of the place called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the languages of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. And when did this take place? Well, we read through Genesis chapters 1 through 11, and we see 10, and then following that is 11. But let me tell you something. Chapter 11 verses 1 to 9 does not follow chapter 10 chronologically. Look over here in chapter 10 one more time. In verse 5, notice what it says. This is a record of Jepheth and his boys, or at least some of them. Verse 5 of chapter 10 And by these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, every one after his tongue, after the families in their nations. That's what happened in chapter 11. Oh, that's interesting. Go down here to verse 20. And these are the sons of Ham, after their families, after their tongues, and in their countries, and in their nations. Go down to verse 31, after Shem. And these are the sons of Shem, after their families, after their tongues, and their lands, after their nations. 
Verse 32, these are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations and their nations, and by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. So Genesis chapter 11 verses 1 to 9 does not take place chronologically after chapter 10. It takes place at the time of chapter 10. You want to know when it takes place actually? Look at verse 25. And Eber, chapter 10 verse 25, and Eber was born to, and unto Eber was born two sons. The name of one was Peleg. For in his days was the earth divided. Peleg was born, and I know this by looking into genealogy in chapter 11, 101 years after the flood. So for 101 years, Nimrod is able to use one language to develop one government and one religion in one location. We'll dig into that tomorrow. And Peleg, I know this by looking at the genealogy over in chapter 11. Also, Peleg lived to be 240 years after he was born. So in a period of 340 years, sometime after he was born, in the days of Peleg, this earth was divided. And I believe in two ways. First of all, it was one land mass. And you can take the continents of the world, and if you really take them and look at them, they fit right back together like a pieces of a puzzle. So the land mass was divided. And then... He gave them different languages, and so the peoples were divided by their nations, by their families, by their languages all over the world. And he's able now to start accomplishing what he wanted to have happen. Oh, there was already the establishment of a one-world government, a one-world religion through a one-world language, but now he's going to decentralize all that, and he's going to divide them to the world. And that's how all of it took place in the times of Peleg sometime 400 years after the flood. Well, between 100 years and 400 years after the flood. All of this takes place. By the way, I said that Hebrew was the original language and would be it was preserved. Again, why in the world other than the fact that Shem and his descendants, Eber, would then continue on and bring forth the Hebrew language, which would be the language of the Jewish people, the language of the Old Testament. Well, I know there's some Aramaic in some places in Daniel and others, but it would be Hebrew. And so that language was preserved. Now, this is setting the stage for how we're going to look tomorrow at Nimrod's kingdoms and how he used this before God scattered him to the face of the earth. But I want you to look today at the similarities and the submission and the speech. One final thing I want you to look at. Go to Zephaniah, if you will, just for a moment. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 8. Zephaniah. You know where Zephaniah is, over there before Haggai. Got a good Bible? It's on page 961. If not, it's the place where your pages are stuck together. Zephaniah chapter 3. Let me show you something very interesting. Verse 8, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 8. This is talking about the end times. Look at what verse 8 says. Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey, for my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour out 
Upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. That is talking about the judgment of all the nations. Jesus Christ comes back in Revelation chapter 19. Then the judgment of the nations take place in the valley of Jehoshaphat. That is the Kidron Valley in the city of Jerusalem. Jesus Christ will sit in his temple on the Temple Mount looking at the Kidron Valley. All the nations will be gathered there and judgment of the nations will take place. That's what he's talking about here. What else is he talking about? Verse 9. For then... At that time of the judgment of the nations, for then will I turn to the people a pure language that they may call all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. Here, Satan's plan of using language to accomplish his goals, then God institutes the division of the nations and the peoples by their languages, and then God undoes the Babel activities. He undoes it. He undoes that which he instituted. The separate languages, he brings them back to a pure language. A pure language. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 23 says, when I, uh, before 23 it says, when I brought them into the land, I will bring these people from all the corners of the earth and I will restore unto them their speech. One language. Hebrew at this time will be instituted as the language that all will speak, a pure language, so that they can call upon the name of the Lord. For 2,000 years, Hebrew was a dead language. Any linguist will tell you it was dead, not used for commerce, for conversation, education. It was dead. But God, the late 1800s, brought Eliezer ben Yehuda to Jerusalem, and he started to teach his family how to speak Hebrew. He knew enough of it from his Bible studies in Hebrew. And then he's taught to teach all the other people. And he instituted the Ulpan, which is a way to teach Hebrew. And he had to develop new words, so he had an institute to develop new words. Because the Hebrew language of today is only 80% of it is original biblical Hebrew. The other 20% is brand new words that Eliezer ben Yehuda and his institute brought into existence. And now in Israel they speak Hebrew. It's their language. And it's going to be the language he will institute. Sometimes study the book of Isaiah chapter 19. Isaiah 19 says there will be five cities in Egypt will speak the language of Hebrew. Thank you very much for joining us as we studied the Babylon Factor. This five-hour audio series on CD is available to you. If you'd like to purchase a copy of it, you can call our toll-free number. That's 877-674-3298. Or you can go to our website and our shopping mall and the address of the website, www.prophecytoday.com. This introduction to the Babylon Factor, I hope, has whetted your appetite to know more about Babylon and the key role that it will play in the end times. You see, Babylon is modern-day Iraq, and the focus of the world is on this unique state in the Middle East. Remember, if you're interested, call our toll-free number, 877-674-3298, or visit our website, www.prophecytoday.com, to get your copy of the five-hour audio series on CD entitled The Babylon Factor. And as you study The Babylon Factor, even in these short segments that we are presenting, 
It's going to make you aware of the fact that we are quickly approaching the time of the end when Jesus Christ will return. Oh, by the way, before he comes back to the earth, seven years before that time, he will shout, the archangel will shout, the trumpet of God will sound, and we will depart this earth to be with him forevermore. Truth is, having said all of that, there's nothing left for me to say now except let's keep looking up until... 